so I, um, I enjoyed the ride down. I, I enjoyed the um, change of topography because the scenery is so gorgeous here. Um, there is a very a monotonous view to Dallas of the same cedar trees on the same level. So to be able to come in and I was like, oh, there's creativity here, I feel it. And there's a different rhythm here in Austin that I really enjoy. Um, there's something that my heart resonates here. So um, I am thankful uh, to Dave and Laurel. Uh, they, they walked me through probably one of the most painful seasons of my life. And it, you all know Dave and Laurel, they just have this love, this ability to love you in your sticky, crunchy places. And I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for him as a mentor in my life and just walking me through. So um, thank you for having me here. I'm gonna open us up in prayer and then offend you and mix you up and then leave. Okay. Isn't that fantastic? So Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you. I thank you for um, those who were obedient to come and hear you and to uh, meet you here in this place. And I just ask that uh, we would steward it well. I pray, Father God, that you would just come into this um, sweet place and that you would put our hearts at rest, God, um, and that you would come and um, speak really tenderly to us in this place um, that can be uh, really hard to receive. And um, we just we stand before you vulnerable, but knowing that you can always take care of us in that uh, sticky, crunchy place. We love you, Lord. Amen. So, uh, one of the things that, uh, as I was digging into this, this was really fun, is this topic of gifts. And if you think about gifts, gifts are pretty tricky, right? We have a whole language around it. There are some gifts that are the right gift, some gifts that are the wrong gift. And just the whole language around it says that you either can make it or you can miss it. And so, my uh, encounter with them are pretty good, except for this one particular birthday that I had. And mine's in a really fun time, it's in November. And so I have it right, I was born on Thanksgiving. So it's just, it's a really tricky place. You want cake, but you don't. You want pie, but you can't figure it out. People don't know what to do, you know, what to give you, when to celebrate it. And so it's a real funny place. And then it's also three days after my anniversary. So it's just, we could not, we got married on the Alabama-Auburn game day. I know, who am I? which is a big, big deal, and I don't really know, but except we decided we'd marry or burn, and we just decided to go ahead. We couldn't wait till summer. So the, so he's, uh, Kenneth, my husband's just, he ran track for Alabama, but it's always been, so he's always had a little tricky spot there in trying to figure out that timing and give it to me. But this one year, I had just had my little girl, and he decided, it was the night before my birthday, and he goes, do you want your gift now? I was like, game on, you are excited. Like, yes, I want my gift right now, yes. Um, you know, like my world was really, I remember calling Laurel six months in and going, when will, when will the, my norm come back? She goes, it will not, so let's say goodbye to it. And I was like, okay, I'll find it. But you know, my world had just shifted and so this was a, a level of increased excitement. And he, let's be fair, he took it up another level by offering it the night before, just notice the setup. Then he also said, close your eyes. Oh, buddy, <laughs> like I am creative. This is gonna be the most magical moment in my life, right? And so um, he goes and he comes back and suddenly this very weighty object comes into my hand. And I was like, this is unlike anything I can imagine. And I'm highly creative on coming up with stuff. And he goes, all right, open it. 
So there's a moment when something, a gift is placed into your hand that you don't have quite the words of what to express. So there's probably a good telltale if they keep repeating what it is in front of you because they can't find anything else but what it is in front of them. And so as I sit here with my weighty object in my hand, I go, a docking station. Wow, like I, <laughs> I didn't expect a docking station. And he goes, oh, and I go, docking station. He goes, why do you keep calling it what it is? And I was like, because I have no other words. It's a docking station. Sometimes the gift that you need is not the gift that you want. And this is the place that we get to when we get to the story of Naaman in 2 Kings. So I am going to go through it, and it's in chapter 5 of 2 Kings, and it's verses 1 through 14, so you get to bear with me in it, but it's all worth it. So we're going to dig into it. Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given him victory to Aram, had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now, the Arameans had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl from who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may cure him of leprosy. And it came about when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and he said, maybe a little dramatically, am I God to kill and to make alive? And this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy. But consider now and see how he's seeking a quarrel with me. Oh, you want to fight? Yeah, that's exactly what he meant, totally. Um, and it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? That's a good friend. Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was furious. And he went away, and he said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Cannot wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself in the, seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored, the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He was clean. Naaman wanted healing, and yes, he gets it, but he also gets another gift, and it's the gift of offense. 
I know, right? Again, I'll just stir it and walk off. Yep, it's no big deal. You don't even have to like me. This is the beauty. I'm going to just take it. I'm going to hold containment for it for you today. Offense, really? Like you almost want to say it like the gift I had to, right? Offense? Offense, really? Thanks. Such a giver you are. Sometimes the gift that you need is not always the one that you want. One of the things that we see in Naaman's story uh, in this gift of offense is that offense reveals our needs. The healing that Naaman needed, it, that was overt. It was right there in front of you. You could see he, he had leprosy. It's a skin disease. You could see everybody knew, you know, the part of what he brought along with, you, with him um, is a telltale of, a, of his life that we don't even know about in being a leper. He's like, I brought some money and 10 changes of clothes. You're like, oh, okay, you're an overpacker. Okay, so you have a problem in the airport. And so, you know, this idea is, but this is his life. This is his world. I don't even know how he was able to hold being both because, well, in the Jewish community, you were isolated. But apparently, he was able to overcome. Think about, he's your get-her-done kind of guy. How were you a valiant warrior getting it done and you had leprosy? You know, so people were like, I'll follow you. I just won't touch you. I mean, like, there's a strange um, moment that he has. But right here, we're seeing in his story, his, his offense is telling on him. It's telling him, it, it's telling us that he has a need for other things. Only when Naaman is offended do we get to see his underlying needs. So think about when he, we get to the part where he goes into the story, um, and thanks for hanging into that story, I know. So we get to the part where the king, you know, is like, I can't do this. He seems really dramatic. And Elisha's like, calm down, it's all right, keep your clothes on. You know, and then he's saying, he says, just send him to me. And he gets to Elisha's house, and what happens Elisha doesn't even do the pass by, like, hey, Naaman, got a lot to do. Good to see you, man. None of that. He literally sends his servant out. And he's like, yeah, um, Elisha says you should just go wash in the Jordan. Uh oh. Like, kind of, you see this moment where it's like, do you know who I am? Like, everywhere else I go, like, I didn't even bother to come to you first. I actually came to the king because I know some people. Uh, Naaman has this need. And this need is revealed because he needs to be seen. What do you mean? I, I came here. I showed up. And this is all honestly just stupid. Like, you, weren't, you didn't even do it the way that I asked. I mean, how come this doesn't happen in the palace where I belong? And there's a deeper need to be seen. Not from the outside, because he can very well be seen from the outside with his leprosy. But on a deeper end. And he is offended He's offended that Elisha would not come out and see him. Naaman has another need, and it's his need to contribute. The servant said this, and you can see this when the servant says this, if he had told you to do something great, you would have. Naaman's used to being a part of making the problem, finding the answer to the problem. Okay, Lord, okay, listen, you know what? I, listen, I show up a lot of times and I get things done. So you just tell me what I need to do. Do you need money? I got money. Do you need connections? I've got connections. Do you need some wealth? I've got it. And 10 changes of clothes. You know, I mean, like, what do you need? Strategy? I can do it. Leadership? I can do it. He's like, I need, my offense is saying, you don't need, you don't need me to contribute? I can even tell you better rivers than the one you gave me. No? 
and in the offense, I, I get it, we all are easily offended. I'm, just by saying it, I've offended you, and if, so if you didn't have one readily available, you can just borrow that. But I'm sure you got something in your pocket, right? You've got something, somebody that offended you recently. And yes, it can be a justifiable offense. So don't hear what I'm saying that, you know, their excuse, just let them go. Don't worry about it. No, what I'm asking you to do is the only thing that you can control in that moment, which is you. You get an opportunity. Your offense is literally handing you a gift saying, you want to see something about yourself? Do you want to see something a little bit deeper, a little bit wider? Your offense is revealing your need. Naaman also had the need for his expectations to be met. I mean, dude had a very specific way that he thought this was going to roll out. You were going to come out. You were going to come and stand. Call on the name of your God. Wave your hand. I was like, oh, you thought about this. You've thought about it. Maybe, maybe just a little. Uh, have you ever expected something? You played out, a, had just maybe a tiny script of what you thought. I will say it has served me really poorly in marriage. Really poorly. I, if Kenneth says, I have, a, if, if he just says, give me the script, I could give it. I would be like, oh, okay. I would say this, and then you would say this, and then I would say this, and then you would say this. And he was like, yeah, see, it's not even going to happen like that. And once I, I, there was a season, honestly, where the Lord goes, I need you to lay your fantasy about that down. You have an expectation. And it's not even just an expectation. It's a fantasy. You've thought about it too much. And you keep getting offended because you keep showing up and you need something that they won't give you. And I would never let Kenneth be himself. Um, and that's a part of me, right? The offense says I needed something and I'm afraid you won't give it to me. But that's about me. And so these deeper places that keep rising up when a fence shows up, it says, us, look, look a little bit deeper. A fence doesn't look like the gift that you really want, but sometimes it's the one that you really need. A fence also reveals our lack. Verse 1 tells us that Naaman was the captain of the army of the king of Aram, a great man, highly respected, victorious, and a valiant warrior. And then verse 5 lets us know that he wasn't financially struggling. He wasn't having a problem with this. He took silver and gold. He said, listen, I have some stuff. I have some ways. He must have struggled with this place where he didn't have enough to solve his problem. So think about this, though, because he has been so great in one area it became really hard that he wasn't the same in another. Sometimes this can happen when we operate inside and outside the home. And we go out to work, and we're so respected, and we're so seen, and we're so valued, and then we come home, and we're not quite so successful. You don't see me quite the way everybody else does. Or it can happen in reverse. I'm so seen and valued at home. How come I can't be seen that way over here? And that place of lack, it really, it really is a, a playground for the enemy to come in and say, can I help you draw some conclusions? Some really familiar ones, like, you're not enough. Or you may have the other one. I can do this one too. You're too much. 
You're just a lot. Could you, could you take that one? And to the too much person, it's like, oh. And to the not enough person, it's like, oh. I thought you'd feel that way. But here's someone, this is not a faith that he's grown up in. Okay, he's grown up in Aram, and God has given him success. And I see it's so interesting because it seems like a strange part of the story to say that he has this success because the Lord gave it to him. I'm like, Lord, why are you giving, you know, another, not even your people's success? Why would you give this to him? And you could see him wooing him in. Come to me. I'm going to whisper it. Yeah, you're going to wrongly take captive my young little girl and make her your servant, but I'm going to actually whisper your healing through her. I mean, honestly, if I'm little servant girl, I mean, who knows? I'm not really, doesn't matter how great the scenario is when you're still in captivity. You know what I mean? The best scenario, she's still in captivity and away from her family. But she's still in her pain, gives, in seeing his lack. Hey, I know you have everything, and you don't know that, you haven't encountered this, and I know you're offended. But um, there's something else. Your lives whisper this when you're in conversations with people and you're in coffee shops when they sit across from you and they tell you there's something, all these things that I'm trying that aren't working, you go, well, there's, there's something else. There's other things. There's another way. And so our offense, we can get stuck in it. We can get bitter in it, resentful in it, because, you know, it's a far easier route to say it's about them. And if they would just get it together, then it would make my life easier, Right? But it got really personal for Naaman because he couldn't get away from his leprosy. And so now he's not only has to, he has to own up that he has a need that he can't solve, but that he, has, that he has to reveal and actually say, I have lack. All my money, all my network, all my ways of being able to solve this are not bringing any solutions to the table. This is an unfamiliar place to him. Again, he is that guy that gets it done. He says he's a valiant warrior. That doesn't mean you win one battle and you did really good. He's done it over and over and over again, enough that he could walk into a king's palace and say, send me a letter to talk to the other king. I hear I could get healed. And, he's, and the king is literally responding to him, going, oh, okay, let's send him a letter, you know, as if, he, as if the roles are reversed. He's not used to not having... Offense reveals our lack, and that can cause us to feel uncomfortable. So like any uh, normal, like, that would be like a naked person in public, you know what I mean? It just kind of has this, he has this moment where he cannot, it's like literally he can't even register this, you don't have this. So instead of dealing with the lack, Naaman lets the offense counsel him into some conclusions. So first of all, what he does, which is so good, right? Okay, so when you can't handle that you've got lack and you make it about someone else, he immediately does it. This is about Elisha's leadership. Look at him. He doesn't even know. He doesn't, listen, this is not even my religion. He doesn't even know how to do it. He's supposed to come to the door. Then he's supposed to come home and call on the name. I mean, you can see he's making up the stuff, but he's got, he's got to make it about somebody else because it's too painful to make it about us. The offense is triggering something. Know that your triggers are the thread to follow to something deeper. There's a reason you're triggered. Yes, the person in front of you is uh, making it occur, but more than likely it's either a reminder of something behind you 
or in the mirror in front of you. Lord, where have I? You know, have you ever had such a strong response to someone and you're like, I just met you. Why do I, why do you do this? Like I'm all kinds of, you know, like my husband's like, fix your face. I was like, I'm trying. It's not working. I really don't like you. He's like, and it's obvious, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. So we make it about the other people. Or we make it about, or maybe the method's the problem. Let me try something new. Let me try something else. You know, have you ever sat back? I'm really good at figuring out when systems are broken. Like, that's a gift. I mean, like, you know, mic's not working. Y'all should have prepared a little ahead, huh? You should have actually checked that mic. Really, you don't think they checked the mic, Irene? You know, but we sit back and we, we know it's either got to be the people or the process. It can't be us. That hurts too much because I keep coming home with me. And if it's me, that's a little hard. I don't want this story to be about my offense. And when the Lord gave me this one, I really wanted something a little softer. It's just not nice to show up and offend people and leave. That's not nice. I grew up in Alabama. That's not Southern hospitality, okay? You just don't come up and let's be like kicking people's couches off, put my feet on your bed, and then just walk home. <laughs> You're like, all right, y'all. God bless you. Bless your hearts. Have a great day. <laughs> you know, that's not what we do. Um, but this is the place, I don't want to see offense in the story, but it's there. And I... I want to make it about everybody else, but I keep showing up in the equation. And so the Lord's asking me, can you own a little more of this? Just a little bit at a time. I'm not going to overwhelm you. So offense reveals our need. It reveals our lack. And it also reveals our beliefs. Just systems that we've created over time. Naaman said in verse 11, Behold, I thought... That Hebrew word, amar, means to say in one's heart, to command, to intend, to avow. The root of that word means to certify, to challenge, to charge, declare, determine, demand. Your thoughts are powerful and they determine your beliefs. So if you literally have a struggle with one of your actions, so I can start with your actions, I could go backwards. I know that it's stemming out of some belief that you have. And all of beliefs start from a thought. That's why the Bible was really smart to say, take after your thoughts. Because those are the things that are actually going to feed to your actions. Don't like an action? No problem. Just go in reverse. <laughs> what does this mean that I believe? What is, what is this saying? This began, where did this thought even begin? And I know it's so hard, but sometimes these thoughts are way tucked away in places like kindergarten rooms where my teacher switched me from the rainbow group to the line group. No lie, that's a real story. But there was a story, but there's a thought I had. I guess I'm not good enough. And I held on to it. Anytime something shifted, anytime something didn't go the way I planned or I didn't feel like I belonged, oh, this is that rainbow group moment. I don't belong, I'm not enough. And it feeds it, right? Well, that little, it was like little shop of horrors type of belief growing, you know? Like, it was like, feed me, do more. Like, keep going, keep going, keep going, give me more. And I was good at feeding it. And I wasn't surprised that the actions all fell into line in my life. Oh, you're part of that system. Okay, great. Our offense reveals 
what we believe. Naaman believed it should happen for a certain reason. So this sounds really strange, but he felt like it should happen because he was important enough. He felt like it, was, he should, it, it should happen because he was networked and he knew enough people and I know the king and the king told you to heal me. Even though he doesn't even know that Elisha came and he was like, okay, I realize that you are really angry and undressed about the fact that you can't heal Naaman, <laughs> so let me put your clothes on and just send him to my house. But Naaman believed he, it should happen for a reason. His belief was that he could earn it, that he could network it, he could make it happen. By him not coming to the door, he was undoing Naaman's greater faith in the natural world than the unnatural world. He believed in a natural world of making it happen. That system worked. He's fed that belief. Be disciplined. Be, you know, be networked enough. Earn it, earn it enough, and you'll get it. And he's literally calling him to see the unseen realm and say, hey, can I point you to, there's something else. It's not just because of your network. In Naaman's mind, his natural status placed him above Elisha's status. I am offended. Don't you know I'm above you and you're beneath me? He's so offended at Elisha not coming to the door. So he believed that it should happen for a certain reason, but he also believed it should happen in a certain way. We keep coming back to this place. Come back out, wave your hand. You know, like Simon says, just follow me. You seem confused, Elisha. Let me just show you. You know, I go here, you go there. It's going to have to happen some certain way. That's my belief. Have you ever been offended when someone doesn't follow your belief? This is the way it should be done. Change it. I'm offended. And no, it's my belief. It's not the problem. It's you. You can just pull that one together. Everybody knows. Have you ever, we all know this is how it's supposed to happen. You, you might even be offended if, if Dave came up and preached first and then y'all sang worship. You know, you know, you'd be like, wait, we don't do that. That's not how we do it. You know, when somebody changes just something, we have little beliefs about every little thing of how it happens. You know, what if we sang, take me out to the ball game at a different inning? What? No, you didn't. Sorry, I know that was holy grail. That was like football, college football. And then I just, I know we're in the World Series. You will not, <laughs> you will not shift that. It messed up the reason he, his beliefs, the reasoning in it, the way and the place. He even got offended at the place. He starts naming, you know, other rivers that are better. Who knew to rank rivers? Like, you know, like, okay, now this one, you know, y'all, you, you got a, be a lot of beautiful different, you know, nature stimulation around here. Y'all probably could rank the ones that you would or would not want to dip seven times in. Um, I think I saw one around the downtown area. This was the last time I was here. And it said, um, you could, it allowed people to swim, but it said, don't let your pets drink. And that was an awkward conflict for me. <laughs> I was like, does no one have a problem with that sign right there? <laughs> like, I, I feel like it should have said don't swim too, but no, go ahead, let your dogs, you know, don't let them drink but you. I was like, there's a higher value of an animal than me right now in this town and I'm, I'm hurt and I'm, I'm surprised and I have a lot of questions. Is there a number that I can call <laughs> just to ask, like why? So. But there's a, there's a place that he expects it to occur, and it hurts when it doesn't. And that's the bottom line of these places that keep coming and getting revealed. 
is that the offense makes me come face to face with a pain. And it's far easier to push that pain away by blaming other people or the system. I love the system. You know, I mean, that's a fun one to get to blame. It's not even necessarily a face, so I don't feel so bad about blaming them. It's the government. It's my public school system. It's my, you know, it's all these, it's the church at large, right? At large, the church. Poor the church, you know? It's all these things that aren't in play. Sometimes the gift that you need isn't the one that you want, and that's how it is with offense. Come to find out that docking station was probably the most useful thing that I used that year. (laughs) It was. My husband saw a need that I had because I was bartering Mother's Day out for ministry, so they, I literally, Gave them my child so I could go do ministry. It's a very strange bartering, but I was so hungry to want to um, be able to operate in the things God had given me. And so um, I kept stepping into an office and I would have to try to figure out how to plug all the plugs back in and with my laptop. And so Kenneth saw that and he got the docking station. So I would just drop the laptop in and go. And I could do it when I left. It wasn't the gift that I wanted. And he probably would never give me, he, he did go out the next day and buy me a purse. I don't even know that I wanted that one either, but, you know, but the one that I really needed that year, it really, it, it became something, we, lo- we love to laugh at this one now too, but those are those docking station moments for you. You're like, man, I don't want a docking station, but a fence works like that. And so what I want you to do is to just take a moment. I'd like to kind of just give you a place and space for this. So just close your eyes and bow your head. I just want to take a minute, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, maybe it's a person, an organization, a situation, or a circumstance that's recently offended you. It's okay if that person's right next to you. It's okay. They don't know. We're not going to call out names. I'm not going to have you shout it um, right now. I seriously want you to know that this space is safe. And that God's a safe God for this offense. Even if your offense is at him, it's a safe spot. And ask yourself, what does this offense reveal that I need? Is it really about the overt need in that situation, that person, or is there something deeper? Now go a little further and ask, what are some ways that I'm trying that aren't working to solve my need? Now one last place, just take a deep breath in first and breathe it out. Now just ask, what does my offense reveal about what I believe?
Father God, the enemy has intended for the offense to drive us away, to be used to blame others and organizations and systems and to keep us from discovering the real source of pain that lies within it. But you, God, you're not offended at our offenses, even if they're at you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would begin to take this seed, this word, and that you would begin to place it into rich soil into these lives, and they would begin to catch on to themselves and see themselves in the middle of their offense about whether it's their lack or their need or their beliefs that are trying um, to draw the wrong conclusions. I thank you, God, that you are a God of process and that today is not about wrapping up a beautiful bow on a fence, but Lord, rather more unwrapping the gift of it and finding the, the, uh, the places you want to journey and process through that. You're not afraid of our mess, and we're so grateful for that. In your name, amen.